Hi, everybody. I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Dr. Mary Claire Haver, and I am a board-certified obstetrician-gynecologist. I'm also certified in culinary medicine from Tulane University here in the United States, and I am super excited to have been invited to share some of my knowledge with you during the Unite to Ignite uh, Wellness Week. So I... Um, Tell you a little bit about myself. I have been practicing traditional OB/GYN for about uh, 20 years, and I'm 52 years old. I have developed a program called the Galveston Diet out of pure frustration of myself and my patients, who all went through midlife and menopause changes and had this unexplained weight gain. And this is for women who were otherwise healthy and normal weight before menopause. And when the hormone changes and when the life changes during menopause started, they started noticing this sudden abdominal fat gain that had not been there before. Five, 10, 15 pounds, average of about three pounds a year during the menopause transition. So when I was in school, we were taught almost nothing about nutrition. We knew that weight gain would happen, like it was just a phenomenon we had to accept. Um, but no one ever like taught us to dive into the science of why women specifically gain weight in midlife. And so I just kind of went with the status quo, as probably many of you do, eat more I mean, excuse me, <laughs> work out more, eat less, work out more, eat less. And that really works for most people, at least through, you know, midlife. And then when you start hitting those midlife changes, that mantra gets tougher and tougher to see the results that you're looking for. So in my personal story, I just told patients, well, work out more, eat less, count your calories, do a food journal, all the things, you know, but no one had ever taught me how to eat other than to count calories. I knew that certain things were unhealthy and that things were more healthy, but no one had like laid out a foundation or plan or explained the science to me at all. So a few years ago, my brother who I was very, very close to um, was fighting hepatitis and HIV and died suddenly. And it was awful. I went through a really bad depression. There was a lot of emotional things involved in his death and as any loved one. And I turned to goldfish, uh, the crackers um, here in the US. It's a, a cheddar flavored, a cheese flavored, small cracker. Kid, children eat quite a bit. I don't know if they have those in Australia. But um, so I was eating like bags of those nightly, um, which was my children's snack. And I was just stuffing myself with processed carbohydrates and drinking wine at night and anything I could do to like, make myself feel better because I was so sad that he had died. So about six months of, you know, my depression started to lift and I realized I couldn't get my scrubs on for work anymore. <laughs> they were too tight. And I got on the scale and I thought, oh my goodness, I've gained about 15 pounds through this process. Well, one thing that was different was most of it was in my midsection. I was also starting to have hot flashes. I was really starting to go through some of the big changes associated with menopause. So I did all of the things that I taught my patients to do. I went to the gym and I worked out and I uh, doubled down on my cardio and I was tracking calories like a boss and I became obsessed. I was getting up in the middle of the night to empty my bladder and I would weigh myself. I was weighing myself three times a day and I'd maybe lose a pound or two, but I was not able to sustain weight loss or get back to my happy weight. I mean, it was driving me crazy. So 
I was making my husband unhappy. I was driving my children crazy. I was, you know, the obsession was just leading to misery in my family. So my husband was like, you got to figure this out. Like what you're doing is not working. You look like you're starving yourself to death, but you're, you're not getting the results you want. You're a scientist, figure this out. So I thought, okay. So I marched down to the nutrition department at the university I was employed at at the time. And I said, Hey, what's happening in menopause? And they're like, we don't do studies on middle-aged women. We do studies on the elderly and on 25-year-old athletes. It's really hard to find a nutrition-based study specifically designed for women at your age. And I was like, huh, okay. I said, but we're all gaining weight. And they're like, yep. And I said, we're all gaining weight in our midsection. They're like, yep. And I said, why? And they go, well, it's a little bit of hormones, a little bit of inflammation, but we really haven't tested or done any studies. But here's some stuff you might want to read. So I was like, okay. So I took everything they gave me and hit, hit the books. I just read and read and read and read and read. So what I kept seeing returning in this is, you know, when you looked at longitudinal studies that were done on women and they fill out profiles, you just kept seeing this recurring theme of inflammation, inflammation, inflammation. I'm like, okay, this is making sense. I can buy this, but what do we do about it? Okay, why does it happen and what do we do about it? So that led me because I wanted to learn more to try, I was going to get a master's in nutrition. Well, that's kind of hard to do in the U S um, when I was working full time as an obstetrician gynecologist. So I was able to find an online program in culinary medicine, which is kind of a hybrid between medicine and nutrition. And it was perfect for me. It was an 18 month course. I learned so much and incorporated it all into my program. So the inflammation side of this. So there's something, I like to call the perfect storm of aging in menopause that's happening to us, to your clients, to you. Okay. One is we're getting older that we can't change. Right. So we're getting older and things just naturally break down over time. We are not meant to live forever. So our cells are kind of designed to start not functioning as efficiently just with the aging process. And a lot of that is genetically derived. Okay. So the aging process alone and that breakdown process leads to low-grade chronic inflammation. Okay. Second thing that's happening to us specifically as women is our hormones are changing. We're losing some androgens. We're losing almost all of our estrogen. We're having some big, big hormonal shifts there. Those Hormonal shifts are leading to, so depends on how your body reacts to the decreased estrogen, but you could be having hot flashes, night sweats, disrupted sleep, um, irritability, mood swings. All of that is increasing our stress levels, which is increasing our cortisol levels, which is leading to the abdominal fat gain. Okay, so decreased estrogen, disrupted sleep, and all the you know that, things that our body goes through the withdrawal process can lead to the cortisol levels going up, insulin levels changing, and this chronic inflammation and abdominal fat gain. Third thing, this abdominal fat is new. It's visceral fat. It's the most dangerous kind of fat anyone could have, man or woman. It acts as its own inflammatory organ. The cytokines, which is a chemical in the body that produces inflammation, that are produced in this visceral fat, not the peripheral fat, not the fat you know in your legs, arms, around your face. This, this central fat here, which is new for most of us in midlife, acts as its inflammatory organ alone. So we've got aging, hormone changes, and 
and this abdominal fat gain that are causing this traffic circle of negativity. And they're just feeding into it and the circle's moving faster and faster and faster. So that is the problem. So that's why in your 20s and 30s, workout more or less calorie counting worked pretty good because you weren't adding this layer of chronic inflammation on top of everything, which leads to, so chronic inflammation is linked to seven out of the top 10 causes of death, at least in the United States and probably in Australia because we're all genetically related right? We're all European mix of stuff. And cancer, almost every form of cancer in, that adults get, hypertension, diabetes as an adult, um, autoimmune disease for sure, and heart disease, stroke. So seven of the top 10 causes of death in adults have a chronic inflammation base. So taking all of that into, you know, heart, I'm like, okay, how do you fight chronic inflammation? What can we do to shift these hormone levels back outside of exogenous, you know, estrogen? And that is a completely indecision, individual decision between you and your healthcare provider. It's not a panacea for everyone. I don't recommend it for everyone, but you may be a candidate. But again, there's different forms, types. It's too complicated to explain in this, in this video, but we can decrease inflammatory levels with simple nutritional changes. So one of the problems that most women do when they count calories is they just count calories. They're paying more attention to the quantity of food, how much they're eating, and almost no attention to the quality of the food. And when I say quality, I'm talking quality as in things that we know cause inflammation and things that we know naturally fight inflammation just simply in your nutrition. So what causes inflammation you know, in a woman of middle age? Processed carbohydrates, anything in a bag or a box, um, added sugars, sugar added to foods, um, artificial colors, artificial flavors, and um, there's multiple, multiple more. But Pretty much anything that has gone through a factory to be prepared has had things added to it to increase the shelf life, preservatives, chemicals, and those all set up inflammation. So when you ingest something that we know causes chronic inflammation, it goes into the body, it hits the gut where it's supposed to be absorbed. We have healthy bacteria and not healthy bacteria that live in our gut at all times. We usually have an abundance of healthy bacteria and they're beating back the bad bacteria. When you're ingesting things that we know cause chronic inflammation, your gut, the gut bacteria become very, very unhappy. The good bacteria start dying off. The bad bacteria overgrow. It leads to bloating. It leads to indigestion. It leads to diarrhea. It can lead to constipation. The other thing that's important is it, it, it causes leaky gut. But basically, the villi, the little cells that line the intestinal, the intestinal mucosa are meant to be a, a place where good things are absorbed into our bloodstream through the gut, the nutrients, the phytochemicals, the, health, the protein, the fat, all of that, okay? When you disrupt the gut microbiota from eating crap, basically, excuse my language, that becomes leaky. You start letting in some of the nasty bad stuff that that microvilli is supposed to keep out. You end up with holes or patches where you're absorbing just whatever's coming in there, bad chemicals, absorbative preservatives, and that can lead to terrible things in the bloodstream. So your gut's inflamed and it's letting in things that's going to inflame you systemically. Okay. So um, now on the flip side, 
You have things that we know fight inflammation, like I was talking about. Phytochemicals, omega-3 fatty acids, those are, um, are like my two part, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables, leafy greens. When you eat things that are fresh and found in nature, like berries, okay? A berry is, has natural fructose, it's fine. Okay, fructose found naturally, not high fructose corn syrup, which is highly inflammatory, but naturally occurring fructose found in a berry. That berry also has acanthocyanins, which is a, an important phytochemical that is a powerful antioxidant and anti-inflammatory compound all in its own. It's also packed with fiber, lots of naturally occurring fiber, which is inherent in our gut to number one, speed up transmission of stool through the gut, which decreases our risk of colon polyps and colon cancer. And it's a prebiotic for keeping the healthy bacteria healthier. They like fiber. They want fiber. They want, they, fiber makes them grow and be happy. So it keeps your gut microbiota happy, which keeps that lining of the gut happy. And it, um, the, the fiber is wonderful. So, um, next thing. I learned so much about inflammation and intermittent fasting. So if you've never heard of intermittent fasting, it is a form of timed feeding. It's time-restricted feeding where you pick a window of time that you eat in. So for example, I eat in an eight-hour window every day. I typically fast until noon, and then I eat from noon to about 8 p.m., and then I fast until the next noon, and I'm able to do this almost every single day. If you've never done practice intermittent fasting before, it does seem kind of scary. We were always taught breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Turns out that was just made by the breakfast company people that there's no medical, <laughs> there's no medical reason you need to do that. And what the fasting process can do for your inflammation levels is astounding. Fasting has been found to treat dementia and Alzheimer's. When your brain is burning ketones for fuel, fat for fuel, instead of carbohydrates for fuel, which is the body prefers carbohydrates, but when you shift to burning fat, you think clearer, you think stronger, and you know, patients with dementia and Alzheimer's actually get better. And so looking at that data, and it was done by, most of it was done by Dr. Mark Matson from the National Institutes of Health here in the United States. It's fascinating to read. He's got a great TED Talk if you want to look it up. And so that TED Talk really changed my life um, because the decreasing inflammation levels, they actually measured the blood levels, patients were getting better, they're seeing improvements, you may be able to delay the onset of these diseases if they run in your family, et cetera. Highly, highly recommend it. So fasting is good for you. Avoiding things that cause inflammation, de um, increasing things that naturally fight inflammation in your body. Um, and um, learning how to break our addiction to simple sugar. That's the other thing. There's a huge psychological component I found in most women in my, in my work with the Galveston diet where they use sugar to soothe themselves. Sugar in different forms. It could be cookies, crackers, cakes, um, uh, putting excess sugar on things, buying things with excess sugar, candy, ice cream, you know, all the things that are, are loaded with simple carbohydrates. So 
there is a big emotional component because that's how we were taught. It was a treat. It's a way to reward yourself. It's a way to make yourself feel better. It's a way, and we do a lot of work in the Galveston diet on helping the, the mental part of this, the, the breaking that psychological addiction to using sugar as a reward, finding alternative methods to reward yourself that don't include empty calories. Um, so really, if you think of it that way, so if you have clients that are coming to you who are like, you know, minimal calories, but they're not really focusing on the quality of their food, that is definitely a place that I would recommend starting because not only will the scale get better, but most importantly, the non-scale benefits of making these changes to your nutrition are huge. You will decrease your risk of cancer. You will decrease your risk of heart disease. You will decrease your risk of stroke. You will decrease your risk of diabetes and on and on and on, okay? You will be healthier as you age and be able to exercise. Now, given that, you guys, um, exercise is huge, and I am a big fan of exercise. I try to exercise at least five days a week for an hour. Um, so exercise also has its own anti-inflammatory benefits to women at this age, and I'm a big fan. Now, exercise alone, as you guys probably realize, isn't the best for weight loss without changing your nutritional profile if you're overweight. But exercise is great for helping you to maintain your weight. And women who exercise actually have much lower inflammation levels. Their stress levels are lower. Their cortisol levels are lower. They have, um, their musculoskeletal strength is better. So one of the other things that we have at our age is sarcopenia and osteoporosis. Those are two age-driven, hormone-driven diseases that a lot of women will suffer from. And it's the natural loss of muscle mass with age and the loss of bone with age. And one of the most important things that we can do as women to keep that musculoskeletal unit strong is to resistance train. So a lot of, you'll find a lot of your clients, a lot of my patients, all they did was cardio and it was just walking. Well, it's better than nothing. But if they're coming to you in your gym, using the science to convince them that resistance training at least twice a week is going to be the way to go to make themselves as healthy as possible. So they can't just do the cardio. They've got to be lifting the weight. They've got to be increasing the weights, you know, each, each section, trying to get stronger, pushing those muscles. Because if we don't do that, you are naturally going to lose muscle mass. We're just trying to hang on to what we have and keep it strong. And if you're losing muscle, the bones are getting weaker as well. Okay, so I know I've been talking for a while. These are all things that I cover in the Galveston Diet. Um, I have a discount code if you guys are interested. Just email me at drhaver at galvestondiet.com. I'd be happy to talk to you. You can go to www.galvestondiet.com. I have tons of videos. I have blogs, every, uh, tons of information. I have meal plans. I have lots of education out there for you guys. I also have the Galveston Diet Signature Program. Um, which has five weeks of meal plans and um, ways to help keep your clients healthy and happy and um, keep them strong. All right, guys, have a fabulous day. Take care.